2: Abner Meris is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Meris, We'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is today. They chat about topics like the state of boxing, Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to boxing champ, his American dream, sports, music, culture, and family life, being a husband, and even being a girl dad. Listen to On The Hook With Abner Medis, wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays, and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays.
1: Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants Football Podcast. I'm Dan Schneier joined as always by my co-host Nick Filato. Tonight we're going to give our quick recap, quick takeaways, reaction to the Giants' 22-21 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles on Thursday Night Football. Well, I think I was a lot more calm than I expected to be for that intro, but for those of you expecting calm, for those of you expecting positivity surrounding Dave Gettleman's New York Giants roster, don't expect to get it on this podcast. If you're coming for a rosy outlook after an epic collapse in a game the Giants should have won. You won't get it here, at least not for me. Nick, do you have anything different? I don't even know where to start this one.
2: Yeah, I don't have anything rosy at all. That was uh, that was really gut-wrenching. That was a very unfortunate loss to suffer. And with the Giants up, I even had this feeling. I was like, how is Carson Wentz gonna find a way to come back? And that was before the Corey Ballantyne penalty. I feel like as Giant fans, we just saw all this coming. And like, as I would check Twitter intermittently, I would find just tweets from people on Giant's Twitter saying things like, oh, no, like not again. Uh-oh, here we go. It all culminates with Evan Ingram doing what Evan Ingram does. And we always talk about Evan Ingram as this matchup nightmare, right? the only thing that should be associated with Evan Ingram and nightmares is when we're all asleep as Giant fans. At least that's how it's been in 2020, and it hasn't been that much better since 2017. Because this guy just drives us insane. With He has all this upside, but the mistakes that he makes have resulted in losses for the New York Giants. He's got to be one of the most frustrating players on
1: this team. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. There's a lot to touch on from this game, in addition to Evan Ingram's terrible drop he also had a a ball that hit off his hands that led to an interception that was not good for the Giants either um he continues to really not you know ultimately impact the game in any kind of big way I don't think uh at this point you know I still don't love the way that Jason Garrett used him the first six weeks and I still think that his speed in general can open up things for Shepard now back in the lineup the likes of Tate the likes of Slayton anyone really on the field but there is no future for Evan Ingram on this football team. What ultimately happened was a guy who was expected to be a second, probably third round prospect, ran a four four two at the combine. Jerry Reese fell absolutely in love with a six foot three and a half guy at two thirty five who could run a four four two. What the Giants instead got was a guy who doesn't have the frame to block, so really isn't total liability. And we had, you know, former NFL player on here. Just a week ago, Fred Smoot, who basically said, You don't, it's really hard to win in the NFL when you don't have two-way tight ends. I agree with that statement. You need two-way tight ends in this NFL league. You have to have guys who can be a threat in the run game or the pass game. You have to have guys who can't tip plays. You have to have guys who can't, who won't blow up run plays based on their frame. Evan Ingram's none of that. And in addition to that, he has concentration lapses all the time as a wide receiver. All the time. Like you said. Countless times on this podcast, he catches the ball weirdly. It doesn't look like he really learned the best way to catch. Especially when he's he doesn't. At- yes, yeah. when he's square, he does not attack the ball well with his hands. In addition to that, he's not a very good route runner. So at this point, he's a four-four-two athlete who Jerry Reese ultimately decided to draft instead of Ryan Ramchick or TJ Watt. I'll give him less crap for Watt because he, at the time, looked more like a three-four guy, and they were running a strict four-three. But Ramcheck, when you have Eric Flowers as one of your left ta- uh, starting at tackles and Bobby freaking Hart as your other, to go weapon there, it was on. Un- I mean, it's a terrible decision that you know ultimately comes back on this team. But I, if I, I ulti- remember correctly, too
2: the reason I think Jerry Reese did that was because they wanted to get yeah. somebody to split the seam because <laughs> <No>. <laughs> everybody was playing too high against the Giants cover two types of defenses, whether it be man or zone because Odell Beckham jr was on the outside with Sterling Shepard. And they were like, well, if we get a tight end who could split the seam, that's going to result in just our offense taking advantage of middle of the field, open type of defenses. Yep. It's going to really stress the defense and we never really see all that.
1: We still never Not consistently. See it. We still never see it. And Ultimately, this game was an interesting one because the Giants grabbed that 21-10 to 10 lead with six minutes left, and it looked like they finally might get an easy win, but obviously that never happens with this team. Then it looked like maybe they'll grind a win out and they're faced with third and seven. And Daniel Jones makes an absolutely big-time throw. I did not like the second down call there from Garrett to run the football. I did not like that at all. I didn't think it would work. I didn't think at the time you should be playing to punt. I think at the time you need to play to win. But it didn't matter because on third down, they got the look they wanted. That's what even Evan Ingram said in the post game. We got the look we wanted. And Jones absolutely dropped a dime in there to Evan Ingram. It was should We should be talking about this game as the game where Daniel Jones led the team to victory. He had an 80-yard run, and then he had perfect drop ball to Golden Tate for the first touchdown. That's two amazing plays. Then he would have had the perfectly drop ball at the key time on third and seven to seal the game to Ingram. And by the way... Ingram can just lay out there, catch the ball and ice the, and the, ice the game with the, by running the next three downs and kicking a field goal, or he can just make a good play on it because the ball hits him in stride, catch it, use his speed to beat that safety who's still a little late there, and turn it into a touchdown. Then Daniel Jones has an unreal game. So it's just like the narrative changes after that one, obviously. But ultimately, in this game, I think there's a few things I want to talk about. I want to start with, I liked some of the looks and some of the play calls jason garrett made in this game there were some hole shots finally against zone coverage finally some whole shots including one that they should have hit to sterling shepherd but andrew thomas once again got beat by a quick inside spin move i mean it's not going to get talked about because it's so far down the list but andrew thomas had arguably his worst game yet as a pro this was to me the least on the broadcast angle and obviously we'll have to wait for the all 22 on the broadcast angle this was his most disastrous game he ruined two drives and almost ruined another if not for that nice pass to, to lewis over the middle that led to continue the drive. But And luckily, Jones got rid of that ball when Thomas got beat to Shepard because it could have been a sack and a loss that, that killed him on that drive. And the other one where Thomas gave up the pressure, Jones avoided the sack, dropped it off to uh, one of the running backs, I forgot who, and he turned what should have been a 7-yard loss into a 7-yard gain.
2: Wayne Goldman, yeah.
1: I am sick and tired of people telling me to wait on Thomas at this point. Enough! enough it's seven games it's half a season and he still gets beat by as daniel jeremiah moved the sticks i don't know for those of you who listened to this game on the amazon broadcast like i did daniel jeremiah and bucky brooks called the game and daniel jeremiah said i saw it littered throughout his georgia tape that he got beat on that inside move he consistently got beat on that move and when i watched him at georgia this was the worst pass protector my opinion by far of this group i know that he had the stats the pff numbers but that's because it had a lot to do in my opinion with context when you predict to the NFL level, and you have real freaking pass rushers. The best thing you're not going to see is that loser the Raiders took from LSU who sucked anyway and thought was an overrated prospect. What's his name? Arden Key. Arden Key, no, the other dude. Uh, Not Arden Key. The other dude who came out this year. I don't even know if he played at LSU. I'm so heated right now.
2: Talk about the pass rusher.
1: The guy who was drafted this year.
2: By LSU? You're talking about Caleb Chase on. No, that's, that's not the Raiders. That's the Jacksonville. Giants. Whoever
1: got Chase on. Yeah, yeah. Everybody points to this Thomas game against Chase on sucks he's been awful for the Jags this year and i thought on was a bad overrated prospect anyway i know you like on a little more than me and i I did see the traits i get it he could still develop it's so early but he's been bad so far and that's not the guy who you're gonna face every week as andrew thomas okay and now we're seven games into this thomas tenure at what point do we get to say this could be a freaking bust at what point do we stop saying oh it's only seven games everybody lighten up on andrew thomas meanwhile tristan wirfs a freaking Mackay until the Jets forced them to play through injuries, and even Andrew Wills is playing respectable football. You had four tackles in this class, and Gettleman, to my opinion, took the guy who played at the SEC school, had the you know had a lot of reps at a big program three years there, and they loved him when they met with Andrew Thomas. He was a stand-up guy. He's a good guy. He was a real leader of men. Throw all that out. You had two guys who blew up the combine from an athleticism standpoint in Beckton and Worf's. And not only that, it's not just about them blowing off the combine. That freakish athleticism shows up in their tape. There was upside for them to actually be worth the fourth overall pick. You poured it in on this Thomas guy, and I've been never more frustrated than I am on this Thomas pick because this is not like the Jones pick. This is not like the Barkley pick. This is not like any other pick before. There were four tackles in this class. You had your choice of any of the four. You better get it right.
2: But before we continue, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates you will see fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. I don't know about you guys or gals, I love to sit there and drink some Pepsi when I watch the New York Giants possibly win a football game. It's all great, if you got yard work to do, ah, oh, quenches your thirst. Amazing stuff. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watchers. And he didn't. It does not seem like he did because Andrew Thomas continues to struggle. i excited to get into the All-22 to see if this was his actual worst game, but there were several reps where he got beaten side. It's the same stuff we've seen consistently. I evaluated four of his games. I saw one really egregious time he got beat inside. So I'm sure Daniel Jeremiah has access, and we know Dave Gettleman has access to yeah. a lot of different games out there. And I would like to know uh, which games where he got beat inside that consistently. Yeah. And I want to know what type of sets he was using, what exactly the setup move of that defensive pass rusher is. Because on this one, it's not even elaborate setup moves.
1: No, It's literally him oversetting and not being able to get back inside. That's the biggest problem for me, though, Nick. Like I know, we, I know. You, 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 like, and you get it, and this is why I've, oh, I was down on Thomas to begin with. This is the exact reason what you just said, Nick. It's not that he's getting beat by a lab. Elabor- it's that he literally does not have that lower body athleticism and fluidity. I didn't see it. To bit to, to recover. That's what it is. Cause you watch Makai Becton in those early reps before he got hurt with the Jets. He was getting beat on some inside moves too, but then he would just have that freakish, like nimble ability and quick feet and wide ass body to recover. That's all you need to do. You have to have better at- Andrew Thomas just doesn't look like a top four pick to me at all out there from an athletic standpoint. Not, not right he now. He just no. doesn't. He has long arms and he's big, but they're all big. They're all really that size, to be honest. Besides the length and the arms, that's one good unique trait. But that lower body fluidity, nimbleness, and quick feet and athleticism it's just not there like it is for those guys worse and becton and even wills to some extent wills less so but wills was just more fluid and i know wills has been from what i've heard wills again has been pretty good in the past game but not so great in the run game whatever no one's been nearly as bad as andrew thomas andrew thomas has been by far and away the worst tackle in this class from the four and a, a case can be made that he's been worse than Austin Jackson, who was taken, but now obviously got injured, but was taken by the Duff. He's been bottom five starting tackle in this league. He literally nearly killed three drives for the Giants tonight. Like I said, I think he's worse than 2019 Nate Solder. I think it's a step down from
2: 2019 Nate Solder. That's older. unacceptable, that's not man. That's what unacceptable. We it's, it's unacceptable. It's absolutely. just unacceptable. Absolutely. I just, I, but back to the game first. Yeah, yeah. And I know you and I discussed it. Right now, we should be talking about. Daniel Jones leading a 15 play 97 yard drive that took about eight minutes off the clock for a touchdown in the fourth quarter on the road in the link with some ridiculous Deshaun Watson Carson Wentz type plays where he's breaking sacks and finding Wayne Gallman for that pick up the first down like we talked about we should be talking about that but instead we're talking about how he busted off an 80 yard run got tackled by the turf threw an interception, and had a fumble. And that's like the narrative that's built around him because, what? Evan Ingram dropped the pass? I mean, think about this. Eli Manning hasn't won a game in the link in seven years. It was the last time Eli Manning won in the link. This would have been huge for the Giants and Daniel Jones. The Giants never won in the link. The Giants never beat the Eagles. Doug Peterson has the Giants number, and there's really no argument. It's tragic for Giants fans. It really is. And And I think
1: ultimately it comes down to that for me and you, Nick. I really do. I don't think either of us had delusions of grandeur that this no, team was no. going to the Super Bowl. We just wanted a winnable game against the Eagles in Philadelphia, a team that they never seemed to be able to beat. Just beat down the Eagles. Send them to 1-5-1. Ruin their season. Get to 2-5 and, and just beat that team on the road. At the game The Giants have had so much trouble getting over that hump regardless of the season, like you said. It doesn't matter who's at quarterback. doesn't matter if they're in the playoff hunt or they're not. And they had this game all but wrapped up, 21-10. With six minutes left. Like you said, a demoralizing 15 play, 97 yard touchdown drive, taking eight minutes off the clock where Jones made individual great plays, and as did his teammates. And then finally, you know, you get the ball back. The Eagles score a touchdown that wasn't great. They went four plays, 78 yards, and a minute 39. I don't know why Lewis was playing. I believe it was Lewis who was playing a little too far up on that yeah. deep ball. I don't really know why, given the situation, you should be playing. You should be letting the Eagles try to grind a clock there. Regardless, you get the ball back and you hit the pass. And that's what we should be talking about. It's so sad to me that Jones, who I think had a really good game. Now, this is what probably, for me at least, I'll see what I can see with Thomas on the l 22 but I don't feel like I'm going to get much. I don't feel like my mind's going to change much. It's just the, the stuff that he does bad is just so bad. It's egregious. It's egregiously bad. But with Jones... I'm interested in this is the player I'm most interested in on the all twenty-two. because to me, from this broadcast angle, he played a hell of a game. Again, I mean, he's yeah. dealing with some of the worst pass protection you can imagine from his two tackles. Just unbelievably bad. He never has a clean pocket. He hit multiple hole shots. He hit the ball to Tate that was perfectly placed. He hit the ball to Ingram that was perfectly placed. He hit the Shepherd touchdown that was a that was a good throw. It was not, not the hardest throw, but it was a good throw, good velocity. He hit multiple good passes, put the team on his back with a great 80-yard run, and led, like I said, that 97-yard drive where you had a play where Andrew Thomas gets beat. He should be sacked. He scrambles out of the sack, turns into a plus seven, keeps the sticks, keeps keeps them in manageable distance, keeps the drive going. I don't think you know Daniel Jones is some all pro quarterback and I think ultimately if he's going to win games for us a lot like Eli Manning except for in 2011 he's going to need a supporting cast around him he's not Patrick Mahomes I don't expect him to be no one expects out of Daniel Jones but neither is Ryan Tannehill and Ryan Tannehill is playing some of the best football of any quarterback in the NFL right now so so they have to but you know what they just can't expect the world out of him every game they just can't they just simply can't
2: No, and that's what they're asking of him, it seems like. And he was able to provide it to some extent in this game, and it just wasn't enough. And that is what is entirely too frustrating with this team just in general. I I feel like this team is cursed or jaded or something. Like they need to get the monkey off the back kind of thing because I'm sure everyone listening to this has an interest in the New York Giants. When the Eagles got the ball and they hit the first play on that drive, on that four-play drive, I think most Giant fans
1: said, oh, no. Game over. Oh no! I literally got four texts in my group, four separate group text messages from four of my best friends and my family, and our family texts, and every single one of them was the same. The Giants will lose this game. They said it after the Ingram drop. We knew, I knew it after the Ingram. Oh, drop. after the Ingram, the drop, minute Ingram dropped that pass, yes. the game was over. And uh, so well, that doesn't happen for every team. Some teams will somehow still pull it out. Not this Giants.
2: Something team. about the Ingram drop too. They said it. Oh, we had the look we want. And then on the non-Golden-Tate touchdown it was the same look. It yeah. was a, co- a man-coverage look. You want that. Yeah. I'm telling you, Daniel Jones, Like I don't think defenses show him a lot of those types of looks, and when they get it, he takes advantage. He takes advantage. And, like, and
1: he's good at it, too. You want to look for traits that show you, as a fan, that he can be our long-term fixture at quarterback and the answer? It's that. It's that defenses never almost never give him those man looks and almost never pressure him and when they do he takes advantage of it literally almost every time it's almost never that he misses he sees it really well he threw the ball to tate he threw the ball to ingram he saw that whole shot to Shepard, which i think i I, the good news is i think they're going to start doing that a lot moving forward which is really good because jones can hit that pass he has the arm talent to make those outside hash throws throws in between the zone and for some, whatever reason, Garrett wasn't doing it for the first six weeks. This is beyond me because I know that's been there. I know no one can convince me that hasn't been there. I've seen too much of this to know that hasn't been there. But, of course, like you said, it's true. Sometimes it's going to get blown up when Andrew Thomas gets beat in one in 1.3 seconds on an inside spin move like the Shepherd play.
2: And having Shepherd out there I think just makes so much of a difference. That compounded with Jason Garrett's play calling in this game. Like, we bashed Garrett on this podcast, so I think we got to give him this dude. This was his best game plan, it seemed like. Easily. And Patrick Graham, I think he he's making as much of what he can of that Giants defense right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, people are going to—I've seen people starting to jump on Graham I, in not, postgame no. because of those last two drives, but you have to understand something about what happened in this 71 game. 71 plays. The Eagles were—71 plays the Eagles had on offense, first of all. Second of all, the Eagles were killing the Giants in zone looks in the first half. What did Graham do? He adjusted and they went, forced three straight three and outs to start the second half. Three straight three three and outs. you know how impressive that is when you are op- When you have an offense like the Giants who doesn- don't control the football and you keep throwing your defense back onto the field? In addition to that, I like some of his blitz calls on key downs. At the end, you know, you might—we'll look back at the All-22. I'll be interested yeah. to see in those two last scoring drives with the Eagles if there were things that we would have liked more from Grant. Ultimately, though, remember, he's playing with—he's playing like he's—this dude's literally dealt, like— I don't know, like 10-7 offsuit. If you guys play Hold'em, those of you who play Hold'em know what I mean. I know some of you are big Hold'em fans Listen to the pod. It's like there's literally that dealt 10-7 offsuit first act. He, he needs to basically get a dream flop to even compete in the hand. When you got guys like Devontae Downs out there, Nate Ebner, who we saw far what? too many snaps tonight, even Ryan Lewis. Let me talk some good about Ryan Lewis. He's not a long. I mean, come on. He's not great. Let's be honest with ourselves. He's okay at best. And, you know, no edge presence. Literally no one who no. wins one on one an edge. Marcus Golden had a really nice rep tonight. That's one rep we're talking about against two in a dream matchup against a tackle who used to play rugby and a tackle replacing Lane Johnson who's off the scrap heap and there's no immediate consistent pressure there if they weren't going to get pressure in this game off the edge they're not doing it all year I can promise you Giants fans they will not be getting pressure off the edge all year they're gonna have to scheme up pressure for the rest of time this season because this was the dream matchup for the edge guys dream matchup against those two tackles and so how am I going to blame Graham for any of that when he's dealt this hand by Dave Gettleman I'm just not going to I'm going to blame that da- I'm going to blame Gettleman who I disgustingly heard might somehow keep this job it- <laughs> I'm getting heated just thinking. I'm already nervous about Dave Gettleman this trade deadline, dude. Last year they were two and six, and he or whatever it was, two and six or two and seven. I don't remember the exact record. And he traded for Leonard Williams, a third round pick. I'm worried he's going to trade for now. I'm still so worried. What's to say he won't do it, man? If he wants to save his job, what's it He did it last year. How? What's to say he won't repeat himself?
2: There's not much to say, to be honest. I mean, the track record's there with Dave Gettleman and making these kind of ill-advised decisions for the future of the franchise and kind of not admitting hey we're sort of in like a rebuilding situation not a lot of people want to hear that no but one wants to hear that. No one wants to hear it. No, it's especially here three. general. Especially it's year
1: three. Yeah, I mean, it's just dis- the roster he put out for this season is an absolute disgrace. I know we got unlucky in some spots, but it's a disgrace. Part of that is his doing. He traded multiple picks for one guy in Baker, and when that fact back-, back fails, you have to take the blame for that because you don't have to trade multiple picks. You could have used those picks on other guys that may have hit. When you use a third round supplemental on Sam Beal, when no one even submits a freaking three, and I don't even think anyone's. I don't. I people probably submitted a four no one submitted a three and you were one of the first threes in that supplemental draft you got to own up for that mistake when sam Beal does nothing through three years when you tr- use your third round pick on bj hill and he gets 10 snaps a game because you added a million guys at the same position you have to own up for that mistake he looks so, good
2: out there too and he
1: looks great out there it's amazing bj hill can't get on the field because he traded a third round early third for leonard and he used his one on dexter but like It's just—and he inherited Dalvin. So, I mean, it's just—the way he's built this roster, the lack of any kind of understanding for positional value and draft capital and the importance of having more picks— it's it's astounding to me that anyone could defend Dave Gettleman at this point, especially when you factor in he's got a ton of these evals wrong. Andrew Thomas ain't looking good. Will Hernandez, that's not a good eval at 34. I'm sorry. A 34th pick on a guy like this, Will Hernandez, who who is not really good, he's okay. He's an average guard at best. He's not the guy who was taken one pick after him by the Colts, Braden Smith. He's nowhere close to that level, okay? He's not even close. He's not Wyatt Teller who was taken a round later by the Browns. He's nowhere close to that level.
2: Development's huge as well, though. Just to be fair, I would say. But it's year three. I, I understand, but, like, development and coaching...
1: Sure, but at year, in yeah. year three, at some point, you have to say it's hope, also yes. the player. It's yeah. also the player. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not trying
2: to stick up. Where I'm just saying Braden Smith has a really a much
1: more stable situation sure. than, what, no than doubt what's about going it, on with the New York Giants. At this point, I think it's fair to say that the two players selected one pick or another. It's not all coaching when one guy's average at best in Hernandez. And it's not just these picks, man. He's got a lot of these evals oh, wrong at this point. Oh, I know. Like, I know. It's, it's, he's, he's been an atrocious GM for them, unfortunately. And that's the roster they have right now. And we're going to soon have to start talking about the future of this franchise. This is it, guys. We, we could have fought along at 2-5. and five. This with a second division loss. I said it before the show on our All-22 of last week's game. And I'm saying it again. This is it. Done. 0-2 in the division. 1-6. and 6. I don't want to hear about. They're only two games back. I don't want to hear about any of this. You can't lose games like this. They did it twice. They did it against the Cowboys. They did it against the Eagles. Those were both games they should have won. Yeah, I know. The, the, the scripts could be flipped so much, but you know what? At the end of
2: the day, I know we've talked kind of quite a bit on this podcast, too, about, oh, well, they were close here. If this play happened, if this happened, we would have won the game. Guess what? Bad teams find ways to lose these games, and the Giants are finding ways to lose these games. You have to catch the ball in that situation. You have to execute your assignment in the block. You have to get depth in your drop, Ryan Lewis.
1: Yeah, all of those things. I mean, And, and Jab- like you said, they compound on each other.
2: Oh, 100%. And Jabril Peppers, I thought he had a great game, but in coverage, you got to get your head around there. You have to get your head around against someone like Boston Scott. Of course, he makes one heck of a catch. That guy just has the Giants number, it seems like. in The last three games, he's absolutely destroyed this team. And it was a great
1: ball by Wentz.
2: Oh, well, Wentz had a couple balls that were like, what the heck are you doing? And he had a couple balls where it was like, that is one of the best throws you could see.
1: Yeah, Wentz, people always like to compare Daniel Jones to Jameis Winston. I think Wentz is the better comparison for Jameis Winston in my mind. Because at times, he just looks like he's unreal out there. And then at times, he makes decisions that make absolutely no sense. The interception, the one where he threw across his body, and that yeah, probably I'm should sure. have been picked as well. Yeah. And you just look at this game and it's it's just such a missed opportunity by the Giants. But I want to talk about some other things that went on in this game. I thought the addition of Sterling Shepard, who's clearly not 100%, but playing solid for what he's at right now, was just incredible for the Giants his ability to get open that route he had on the third down where Andrew Thomas got destroyed by an inside move and Daniel Jones had to roll to his right in the second quarter and through that quick I think what you call it? it was like a stop it was um that was a pivot route pivot route yep. yeah I they run that. I...
2: they run that a lot they realize. run it a lot but yeah. to
1: be honest no one really creates any kind of separation on it besides Sterling Shepard Shepard's
2: really good at selling like, <laughs> yeah, he he's sells really good the at, hell out of that because he sells on the route you sell like you're going inside yeah and then you got a plant on that outside yep. foot slow off of it flip your hips and then go right back outside he's amazing at doing it he's very quick and the route in the end zone too yep it's a really nice route yep. and i know uh i think uh eight and buck uh kind of went over how that route they like to use banjo coverage which is switch coverage and man coverage down at the uh, goal line the philadelphia eagles do so when darius slayton went inside they were going to switch from the number two defender would have taken him and then the number one defender would have take sterling shepherd sterling Shepard. Fake like he was going out, and then kind of rounded back inside, giving him inside leverage all day on Darius Slay, and that's what was a the touchdown. There was also a little subtle push off, but sure, but wasn't enough. That happens. That yeah. wasn't
1: huge enough. And then he had the big catch earlier on that on the on the I believe it was the deep end, right? Yeah, just a lot of really good plays from Shepard, just the ability to create separation is unlike anything they have on this roster currently, even including Darius Slayton, who's not, that's not as much so his game. He has some great routes, especially on the slants from a separation standpoint, but the way Shepard does it is a little bit different and is after the catch ability as well. So again, those are the positives there's still this offense is completely different with Shepard, and i'm happy he's back in the lineup um a couple other things to touch on wayne gallman i thought had a really good game i mean at the end of the game he started to take a little bit control of that running game and and well and that's one thing i'll definitely be interested to see on the all 22 like how did they open up those holes but he's a tough runner man he forces through through tackles he's really always looking to move laterally so he's never trying to really go sideline to sideline east to west which i really respect in a runner and I think he's a really decisive runner as well.
2: Yeah, Wayne Gallman had a heck of a game and that one drive, the really long drive that we were talking about before, they were just holes, man. Kevin Zeitler, Nick Gates, Will Hernandez, all those interior linemen looked really good on those on those plays. I'm excited to see how that actually materialized. Against I mean, those guys, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, those guys are really good. They're really talented. And the Giants were kind of owning the line of scrimmage in some of these some of those longer drives, which is definitely encouraging to see. Hopefully it's something they could build upon, but it's it's hard to take away positives from this loss.
1: Yeah, it's hard to take away positives even though the Giants really should have won the should game. Won, it's such yeah. a weird scenario that we find ourselves in over and over, you know, covering this team and it's 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 tough i I don't i i'm not at the point right now i'm not the point at least on the big stuff the important stuff with jones where like i see a lot of good from jones i'm actually more enthused than i've ever been with him i'm not sold on him as the franchise option or anywhere close but i'm i I, but i would at this point most likely i will be advising the giants to continue with jones obviously if they have won one i've already said i'm going lawrence and again that's not a knock on jones there's literally maybe three quarterbacks in the nfl who i wouldn't take over who i wouldn't who I would pass on Lawrence for. um, And that's maybe even, you know stretching it from that from that matter but again there's so much to like from jones tonight really the only negative plays were the interception where he might have kind of misread and misdiagnosed the blitz of the eagles backed off on the fumble at the end but that's just a joke there's like 24 seconds on the clock they gotta go 70 yards like nothing's open against they're getting a look where literally nothing's open and like yeah i guess he holds the ball too long but i don't care that the game's over by that point because of ingram because the defense allowed them to get in so
2: yeah the interception too yeah, he might have misdiagnosed the blitz, but he still put the ball in front of Evan Ingram, and Evan and Ingram hit off
1: his hands. Yeah,
2: and that's just something that I mean. Evan Ingram had a costly drop against the Rams. He had a costly drop week one against Pittsburgh. He had the fumble. Uh, there was a fumble on the end around that I think was accredited to Daniel Jones. But you should catch that if you if you are Evan Ingram in those kind of situations. So. Yeah, talk about a huge disappointment. I wonder what his future is in in the terms of will he be traded? Will he be dealt at He's the deadline? He's someone who I
1: think they should. The, unfortunately, I I'm skeptical with Dave Gettleman as GM that they're going to be sellers at the deadline. Mm. And I don't even think Gettleman could good, be a good do a good job of being a seller. He's already like proven kind of pretty much otherwise. He traded Harrison for like a fifth, whatever that was, a fourth or a fifth. I think it was a fourth i don't know what he got there was another trade he made where he sold off one of his big assets for nothing uh eli apple early on in the eli apple i guess that in retrospect those are fine because both those guys are out of the nfl now but like i don't trust him a to even have any interest in selling uh, or b to do a good job with it but i agree with you at this point I used to say, like, you want to keep all the talent around Daniel Jones to help his development. I don't know if Evan Ingram's a guy that helps his development. Like, will Caden Smith be a tick slower? Sure, but Caden Smith's going to catch every pass that comes his way. And Caden Smith's probably equal to uh, Ingram as a route runner, and he's certainly not going to be worse, maybe a little worse. And certainly, I mean, he's not going to open up defenses and be able to, to yeah. beat to, 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 you know, give you a guy option for whole shots and stuff like that. But he's at least going to be a better blocker if he's in the game 90% of the staff. So, I mean, at this point... Ingram would be one of the top guys I'm looking to trade at the deadline, to be honest with you.
2: Yeah, If you, it depends on what you can get. If they can get like a three, that would be like jump all over that kind of thing.
1: I don't think they're going to get a three, Neither but maybe I. a four. I'd but take a four for him. You
2: would have to look at some of these these playoff-bound teams yeah, and see if they have like a really weak tight end position. Who knows, there could be tight end injuries, injuries on Sunday. Injuries, right.
1: I don't know if any team would trade for him to be their tight end. I think a team would trade for him to be their big slot.
2: Yeah, yeah. I
1: don't think any team really wants him in line too often. I mean, the Giants try it, it's not great. It's not a great it's not a great look. I think that's fair. To have that frame in line, but it's he ultimately he turned out to be another mega bust by this Giants team. I mean, you can't win in the NFL when you miss consistently on first round picks, and that's what the Giants have unfortunately done over the last since that 2017 or no, no, I'm sorry, since that 2015 draft from Flowers to Eli Apple to Evan Ingram Saquon Barkley that's a string of four disastrous picks
2: and and literally it's just Odell Beckham and then it's Justin Pugh and David Wilson
1: yeah I mean if you're going even further back it's just they've really missed on first round picks um and then obviously moving forward Daniel Jones still juries out and I'm okay ever I'm always okay taking a risk on quarterback that's the one position you can bust on but Andrew Thomas my man (sighs) the Thomas one will oh will uh, because of the four tackles in this class If this one busts, it will, in my opinion, be the worst for sure and i do have this weird feeling dave gettleman took him because he had so many starts in the sec which he's like values insanely high and like because he liked the kid a lot when he met with him i think that like interview he had like with the Andrew thomas comes off if you listen to the interviews of all four of them andrew thomas comes off as the most professional the most mature person none of that matters if he can't if he if he's not quick enough to, to recover after an inside move That's literally none of idea. it matters it's literally not it's it's pointless it's meaningless and it's bad and it's bad process um but hopefully he gets better, I guess. But I still don't see any chance, really, at this point, ultimately, that he's going to be better than worfs or Beckham. So
2: do we start talking since this game is over now and we're more looking for development? And I know the Giants yeah. aren't going to necessarily handle it that way. Sure. They're going to still obviously try to win every game. And I'm not saying that we hope that they don't win. But do we start looking at this more like, okay, we need to get Matt Prod on the field and... It's see what these two guys can do.
1: I already want to see Matt Pert over Fleming. I don't really think Fleming gives, like, yeah, he'll make maybe a few more mistakes. And Pert got a series for Fleming tonight yeah. and then was pulled because I believe on the play where Andrew Thomas got destroyed, also he, Pert, got beat on that play. But it seems like, you know, Thomas has a super long leash with the coaching staff, but Pert doesn't, I guess because one was the fourth overall pick and the other was 90-whatever it was for Pert. 99. 99 for Pert um you know and so he'll get longer leash to me that's stupid especially when you preach that the best man's going to play and that's been your whole thing as a coach and there's really no argument to be made that Andrew Thomas has been any better than Pert the opposite argument could actually be made that Pert's been better than Thomas neither neither has been unbelievable as a pass protector but Pert hasn't had that many reps and as a run blocker Pert's been better so I mean at this point I agree with you if they're not going to pull Fleming I don't know what to do with this. Like, I don't know what you do with an Andrew Thomas. I just don't know, man. I don't. You can't really pull the fourth overall pick. You have to just like grind it out there. Uh, so it really would come at the expense of Fleming because I, I, I don't think you can bench Andrew Thomas. Neither do I. Uh, I think you have to use this year, which is probably going to be a waste year, to get him
2: experience. And hopefully in year two, he figures it out a little bit yeah, Which is coaching. definitely because development can happen. Yeah, and yeah, He can definitely learn. And we're not saying that he's a total bust in that regard. It's not just at all. where he's at right now is not to the level of what a fourth overall pick should be. And he wasn't necessarily someone like Colton Miller coming out that's where like, was everybody say. was like, yep. oh, he's going to struggle for like a year or two. That's and then he'll the problem. Find it. he was more like, OK, this guy's going to be pretty good. You know, he might be a little bit of a learning curve, but the little bit of a learning curve turned into a huge one. And that's probably my biggest issue with Andrew Thomas because he consistently loses the same exact
1: way. And that is a problem.
2: He hasn't learned yet.
1: So funny you just mentioned that, Nick. As right before you said it, I was thinking in my head <laughs> Colton, no, because like you said, development is key. And Colton Miller is a guy I hated on when they took him over Derwin James, the Raiders. And Colton Miller was a guy who had all the physical tools, looked like an NFL tackle, but I watched so much film of Josh Rosen that I ended up watching so much Colton Miller and he was getting destroyed there. But everyone said he's a raw prospect. He's gonna be just totally dependent on good coaching, which the Raiders certainly have on their offensive line because that line grinds and plays really well football, really great football and him fixing those issues. The issue here is exactly what you said. Andrew Thomas was not that kind of prospect. He was not a Tristan Wirfs. He was a prospect who was supposed to be ready for this league, but ultimately, sometimes when you make this jump, if you don't have that twitch, if you don't have that athleticism, if you don't have that ability to move your feet and recover, or at least get your hands up, use your arms like a weapon, which he doesn't do, then then you may just not be anything. Like, I'm hoping this is not the case, again, so early maybe the coaching can help him fix all these issues i don't know but i'm not on that i'm not i'm not confident i'll, I'll I think it's pretty obvious anyone who listens to this podcast or follows me on twitter i'm obviously not confident this is going to magically fix itself and i am confident that if they miss this pick It's going to completely screw this franchise over because they just can't afford to miss another pick. It's as simple as that. They're not getting enough from Barkley. He doesn't affect wins and losses too much, and now he may never come back the same. I hope he does, God forbid. They're not getting enough from the 2017 first-round pick in Ingram. They got nothing out of Flowers and, and Apple. And they're missing on all their picks too. Will Hernandez has not done enough. They traded their other second for Baker, including two other picks, a third and a fourth. Not doing anything there. So ultimately it all starts to tally up and you have a roster that's nowhere near. Like this is, I said last year, this roster could take two years. I now think it could take in another additional two years. Now we're looking at three from the point where I said that. This is not something they can fix in one offseason. They're not going to be a good team next year. They can't be. They can't build a winner around Jones. Unless Jones takes an unreal step next year. They can't really – I don't think Giants fa- I can reasonably tell these Giants fans who listen to our podcast that they can expect a winner next year. The roster is devoid of talent in so many spots. I'm not going to go that far, but I, I do agree How that How do the you roster, fix this
2: in one offseason, Nick? I'm curious. You, you, you would need the offensive – you would need the players on the offensive line to just develop. To take massive jumps, So, sure, they, okay. so you're relying on a development kind of yes, uh, a style aspect of, of better, everything. Yeah. I think that's one way, and they have the pedigree for that. They've shown it on a lower level in college. Yeah. It's just you need this to translate to the NFL. That's not a given because that's why right. busts happen all the time. But that's what you would be relying on. And sure. as for the defense, I think that is a much brighter spot than really the offense, especially the offense really the offensive line and the skill position players. Because outside of Sterling Shepard and Saquon Barkley, who's coming off of an injury, you like we like Darius Slayton, but like we don't have like a, like a Jerry Judy. You know, or like a or a premier wide receiver or really a premier playmaker. We have solid pieces. And I think if Jones was paired with someone who was an incredible playmaker, it would probably alleviate a lot of the struggles that he has in terms of these skill position
1: players, but it's always gonna come down to the offensive line. That's the big thing though here. Like that so I think you you nailed it on the head. The path to them being good. So right now the Giants are a team that has no one who can win one-on-one in in off the edge in a pass rush situation. Yes. And they have one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. Those two things are facts. And when you can't pass protect and you can't rush the passer in one-on-ones, you have no chance of winning long-term in this league. You have no chance of becoming a good team. Now, how do you fix that? How do you fix that one off season, we should say? Well, like you said, the path on the one side of the ball, the offensive line, is simply going to be development so will hernandez needs to take a massive year four jump or second half of year three which is this year and same thing goes for andrew thomas he needs to either take a massive year two jump or a massive second half of year one jump both of those things need to happen. for sure matt pert needs to get reps and quickly acclimate himself yes maybe shane lemieux because it looks like they might move on from kevin zedler even though i like kevin zedler and thought he had a great game tonight for example maybe they can fix one position by getting like an immediate impact center that happens sometimes via the draft i've seen it happen with multiple teams the saints have done a good job of showing that with mccoy who they drafted last year became immediate impact center for them so to me that's way too many variables in play you're i don't even i'd be happy if even one of those three players develops i don't really i just i don't know how it happened with hernandez um I don't know how that's going to happen in year four. I think three years is a big enough sample size where I'm kind of done on Hernandez. I think he's going to be an average guard at best. With Pert, I think he's a raw prospect. I think it's asking a lot for us to think he's going to immediately be an impact right tackle next year. And with Thomas, I never really saw it, so I don't know where to go from there. It's a guy who did pretty well against this crappy SEC competition, none of whom are starting anywhere in the NFL. None of the pass rushers he faced on literally any of those teams he faces now. Um, so, I'm I'm nervous there, Nick. I'm really nervous about the offensive line, especially for Jones. And then with the pass rusher thing, it's going to require a lot of luck. It's so hard to find one-on-one edge guys. I mean, like there wasn't really anything they could have done in this draft class once they didn't get Chase Young, and there wasn't anything they really could have done in free agency. J. Evian he has been kind of a bust there, and he was the only real edge guy. Everson Griffin was another guy, but he had that weird off-field stuff. He's been a bust for the Cowboys. It's really hard to find edges. Maybe Gregory Rousseau will be that guy that'll be a guy we'd look into out of Miami he opted out we'll have to dig back in the twenty uh, twenty nineteen film to, to to do to see that one but they'll be in they'll be in line to draft him The path feels to me unfortunately really really rough it it's bleak it's bleak unfortunately, but ultimately. <sighs> We're here for you guys and hopefully of course. hopefully there will be a path that we can carve out that we can find that we can definitively tell you guys. And hopefully as the season goes, there'll be more building blocks that emerge. I think we start to see it in some ways. Every game there's somebody new who plays a little better than expectation, I believe, for this team. Um some of them unfortunately got injured, like take Crowder, but you know, there will be players that step up and I agree with Nick, by the way. A lot of he's taking a lot of crap right now on Twitter. I thought Jabril Peppers had a really good game. I think what Peppers does really well, it doesn't often it's not always flashy. It doesn't always go. You don't always see it when you know you just focus on the one play he gave up to Boston Scott, which by the way was an incredible ball by Carson Wentz, Um, and you tend to focus on those things. But what he does in the run game is 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 huge for this Giants team, and what he does around this line of scrimmage in general is huge.
2: Yeah, and he's all he's great uh, buzzing out to the flat and stuff like that. Very very quick uh, when he when he's tasked to do that. He's also good as a blitzer, which we've seen. He had a sack in this game. And you know what, man? I just don't want to see these Andre Har- Harpers and these and these Nate Ebners out there. Like the loss of Darnay Holmes, who was out with a neck yeah. injury. Like that—that that was unfortunate. so beat up in
1: the secondary. Man. That's unfortunate. And then Xavier McKinney, somebody McKinney, nobody talks Colbert, about. Colbert, who was playing good for them at safety, Colbert had some really good snaps. He was a nice fit, and like, and he's out as well. So it's just tough.
2: Yeah, it's, it's very tough. It, it, it's beat up, but you're right. This roster could certainly be better.
1: Yeah, it's year three of a regime. At some point, you got to hit on your picks if you're Dave Gettleman, and it's just something he hasn't done a good job of. All right thanks again for listening in to the big blue banter reaction pod we're going to try to figure out exactly when to drop the all 22 it's going to be a weird one just based on our schedules and obviously sunday both nick and i are very busy but we're going to try to see when that tape comes out maybe get it out tomorrow night i don't know we're, we're, we're thinking of what to do there we haven't decided yet thanks to everyone who tunes into the podcast weekly and interacts with us on twitter i know you got a lot of you gave us a shout out this week on twitter which i appreciate which nick appreciates we love hearing from you guys if you can do us a favor Follow us on Instagram at NYBigBlueBanter and download the podcast on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, review. And that's all we'll ever ask from you. So we appreciate you guys. As always, um, we've got some big things planned. We're going to definitely do a Q&A of some sort soon. It might be a live Q&A, so look out for my Twitter while I'll be announcing that. There's a new app we're working with um, called Locker Room that we want to try to set up a live Q&A where you guys can join us live on that Q&A jump in we'll be hosting it we'll be the speakers but you can jump in we can give you access to the speaker ask the question you want answered and we'll answer it live and then we're going to record it all and put it in podcast form for those who couldn't attend so that's the goal otherwise we'll probably do a mailbag type thing which we've done in the past but either way be on the lookout for that and as always have a great rest of your week and go giants
2: the wait is finally over football is back you might not be at a game this year but you can still be in on the action at bet online BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire, all one word, at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.
0: When you make decisions for your
2: company,